Guys, welcome back to the Physique Factory podcast with myself, James, and co-host Conor Moran. So today we're going to talk about things about the knee because there's a lot of clients that we have and then there's a lot of people in, say, like gym population and just a lot of people in the gym in general who are having a lot of knee pain. And we're going to try and like dive into that and discuss maybe why it might be occurring and what we can do about it. Yeah, so the first thing I actually wanted to bring up on this is like knee sleeves and knee wraps because that's like everyone's answer, isn't it? It's like, oh, I've got knee pain. I'll just put sleeves on. What's yeah, like, oh, there, James? oh you, you need support. Something they, do. they do help. I mean, I couldn't train legs without knee sleeves, so they do help. They're not a bad thing at all. So, But there's, there's something that you need to look at. That might be just masking it. So you need to look at what's actually causing that pain in general rather than just throwing on knee sleeves. Definitely use the knee sleeves, but then look and think, right, why am I experiencing these pains in my knee? Um, just because if you're getting like an acute pain and it's like a pretty short-term thing, uh, you, we can deal with it. But if it turns into a chronic thing where it's like a tendonitis, then like myself, because when I first started training, when I was like 16, 17, obviously the form's not too good. You know what you're doing. You might be fucking setting up the leg extensions wrong. You die bombing out of squats. You're putting a lot of like pressure and stress onto your knees. And then you're going to run into some issues down the line. And then that's what I did because I didn't really know what you're doing, what I was like doing to my knees. And obviously the tolerance of knees didn't, uh, couldn't take it. So I've, I've now got tendonitis, so I've got to work around things. But luckily, because we're smart, like to think we are, because we've done all these like... Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, no, well, yeah, I say ish. We've learned, we've learned some stuff on, on courses and it's going to help us with our programming and with our clients programming so we can sort of work around it and even improve um, our injuries and prevent things in the future. Yeah, for sure. But like, just to kind of touch on where you're going with that, um, you know, like your answer when you, when you first started training, was it just sleeves? Yeah, just like, oh, my knees are getting a bit sore, but I'll just go straight to sleeves. Yeah, just keep training, keep doing what you're doing and just wear knee sleeves because there's pain. So I'm just going to mask it and it did feel better wearing knee sleeves. So I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And then it got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. So it's not keep doing what you're doing and just put on knee sleeves. It's like, look at what you're fucking doing. Like I would say, look at what you're doing before you put on knee sleeves. It's like, if you're getting knee pain, worry about maybe the, the speedier reps for starters. Like, I don't know how many guys I see in the gym jump on like a pendulum squat or a hack squat and they just fucking smash down to the bottom of it. Bombs. And, oh, it goes through me. Oh. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, look, okay, knee sleeves seem like a great solution, but slowing down your fucking reps might actually be a better solution. Um, mm -hmm. So I think there's some things to address before even looking at sleeves, in my opinion. I mean, personally, I've never even used them. So, I, I mean, I've, I've touched wood. I've never actually had any knee pain um, or not much anyway, but like I've never even used them. And I would always say before even trying them, I would I'd look at what you're doing in the gym, really. And tempo's got to be a big thing for that, for sure. Um, it's, it's, the, it's those dive bombs, like we just said then. I mean, the faster that you're moving into the bottom, you're having to come up with more force to move, change that in the direction and get it going back up. So the weight that's on the pendulum, say if you've got like a 20 kg plate on the pendulum, if you're dropping down at a speed, then you're having to deal with a lot more load because of the speed that you're having to change, you're having to slow it down, you're having to decelerate that load abruptly, which is going to cause a lot of issues with your knees and go back up again. So that's what the main issue that's causing any like knee problems with that. Um, also, you need to look at how you're actually performing it and where the weight's distributed on your feet and the position in your knees. But it's mainly those things that are going to cause the issues. 
Yeah, I mean, something like a hack squat or a pendulum squat, like they're going to be quite quad dominant already. So by doing that, you know, we're, we're putting more more force through those knees by by going fast, really. Um, but yeah, so like tempo is definitely something to consider. And I know with the pendulum squat in particular, um, it wants to move fast, doesn't it? That's it. It's going to be just because how long it is and how where we're loading that plane. So you got to think about the arm of the pendulum. So that pendulum it's rotating around an axis isn't it and then that that length for the actual metal bar there and you put in the actual plate on the end of it and that's going to be long so you've got to think about the distance so the longer that is the the harder it is it's going to be to start and stop so things like the pendulum things like the seated hammerstrom hip press where it swings away hey, just because, even as well for going upper body yeah i mean anything like that and where we're pressing, we're pressing our feet a position closer to the actual axis of the machine and the weight's further away. So it's going to make it really, really hard to start and stop. And that's why we need to focus on the tempo of it because it's going to increase even more forces going through our knee joint. Yeah. And then you've got things that are just like so much like force on the knee, like, like a sissy squat or something like that. You've got things like that. And if you're doing something like a sissy squat fast, then goodbye to your knees <laughs> fuck that i can't think of anything possibly worse for your for your knees than you know something like a sissy, sissy squat yeah um, if you're you going to that sort of speed anyway yeah when they're doing sissy squats the bounce. i've seen some people bounce off the knees so they're coming up onto the toes it depends what kind of sissy squat it is but i've seen people literally bounce off the knees from the floor and come back up again with another toe so that's like the body weight sissy squat but i know there's the um the actual machine that you can use um again that puts a lot of force i mean you can start comparing things like that to the wall set as well but yeah um it just totally depends how you're doing the rep though as well definitely definitely so moving on to the knees and talking a lot about about the knees because a lot of people i mean they'll be aware they've got knees but they'll probably not know much about the knees there's a there's actually two joints there isn't there it's not just yeah. one joint that's it so you got your tibial femoral joint and your patella femoral joint um where do you want to start? Well, I mean, we probably don't need to say too much about the actual joints itself because it's hard to explain it on this, I don't, I don't suppose. But we should talk about the way the joints move. So obviously there is like what's called three degrees of freedom in the knee, which means there's obviously three different ways it can kind of move. Um, so will we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously you've got like things like flexion and extension. That's They're the easy ones. But then yeah. there's also the, the, the third one that people sometimes don't really um see and you can only see it and it only occurs in certain positions really doesn't it i think probably the other two as well actually you know and um, people don't really see but we'll start with this flexion extension so flexion extension is obviously the easy way to explain this is like a leg extension is obviously knee extension and then like a hamstring curl and um, you know a seat hamstring curl or something is going to be like leg flexion or knee flexion so they're the obvious ones and it is like a hinge joint so like hinges like on your doors that's the way i always explain to clients it's like hinges like on your doors they want to move in that hinge motion and obviously a big thing with that is going to be like alignment when you when you get onto a leg extension or hamstring curl and that's something i see done wrong quite often in the gym actually yeah yeah definitely i mean if you're moving um out of the plane of the machine if your legs aren't lined up then that's going to cause a major issue like we said like prior to this uh, earlier so yeah. you need to make sure that the, your, your knees are lined up with the axis and also the plane. Yeah. So lining your knees up with the plane, because I know this used to confuse me when I first heard that. I was like, 
do you mean fucking lining it up with the plane? Like I, I couldn't understand that to begin with. Um, so what's what's a nice simple way to explain that for the people listening? I think you need to look is look at the way the, the leg extension is moving. So you've got to think it's just moving up and down. So it's not moving out to the side. It's not moving any directions. It's literally just moving in a line up and down. So it's like tangential. It's just rotating and going up and down. So it's not moving any other direction. It's just moving in one plane of motion. And then if that pad wasn't there, what way would your knees move? What way would your leg move? Would it move straight forward with the machine or would it move out to the side? And a lot of the time when people sit in them, they don't really think about that. They just kind of sit back in them and sit as if like, you know, the way I'm sitting at this desk right now, my legs are like kind of pointing out. And if I was to extend my knee, they would move diagonally. So people kind of sit in the machine like that and then they're moving out with the plane the machine's moving in. So it's like, you might have to, you might have to, generally speaking, I think if you're, if you're, um, if your knees are like narrower than your hips, generally speaking, you're going to be pretty close, but you might have to also do a bit of rotation as well to try and get that kind of perfect. Yeah, I find that with a lot of people, the rotation, but do you know what throws a lot of people off? There's the position in the feet, but that yeah. doesn't matter. Literally, your feet can be pissed up. One foot can be turning in, one foot can be turning out, but as long as your knees are aligned, then that's totally fine. Don't be looking what's going on at the ankle because the ankle is not really doing much in terms of what we're going to do on this machine. No, your but quad even, isn't crossing over your ankle joint. That's it. Even though maybe we can look at the, the calf, how it acts at the knee, um, and things like that. But for this, for the alignment, we need to make sure our knees are in line with that plane. Yeah. So hopefully that makes sense. If anyone has struggled with that, feel free to like reach out to one of us on uh, like Instagram and the DMs and we'll help you out with that. It would be something that'd be easier viewed in video. Um, and we've actually got a post ready to go out on that once James can access his camera. Yeah. Um, before we actually, we've actually got in our exercise library to be fair so yeah and um, yeah. if anyone is struggling with that give one of us a shout and we'll send you like the the video from our exercise library and okay, before we uh, before we move on let's think about when you hear those people in the gym saying oh let's target the the sweep of our quad where all you got to do is like turn your leg outwards or turn your foot inwards and you get inside though that side and we've all heard those like rumors before and those sort of with our myths definitely um, in the gym, saying what you should do to like target a certain part of the quads, but that's not necessarily the case, is it? No. Well, uh, the thing is, muscles pull together; they work together, don't they? So, like, um, again, how is this an easy? Uh, this isn't an easy thing to explain, but like, you will get that resultant of all the directions that the different quad muscles are pulling in. Because, like, if you look at the quads, you see, um, you know, the, the muscle on the outside, the muscle on on each side of um the one in the middle, and um, they're kind of they've kind of got lines that are going kind of diagonally, and they look as if they would kind of pull out. But then we're going to have that kind of resultant pull from all of them, which actually does just pull the leg into extension in in a kind of normal way in a normal plane. And I don't know if like. I don't know if you could totally rule out the fact that you might bias yeah. some more than others. I'd but... say potentially, depending on what you're doing, you, you could buy bias, but it's not worth it to the the, the your knee health and what it's going to that the force is going through your knee. So just the alignment. Yeah, uh, obviously things like maybe like squats and leg extensions, they might be biasing slightly different fibers, but I wouldn't even think about biasing like say a lateral head. Um, or your intermediate or your rec fem or anything like that when you're doing a leg extension because it's just going to fuck your knees up. Sometimes I, I I think a lot of that is genetic because you see bodybuilders that have got kind of like nice round sweeps and things like that and you see some people's legs that are like fucking square. And yeah, I think like 
honestly, I don't think the people, I'm sorry if you're one of them, but I don't think the people have got much hope. I think that's just genetically the way you're built up and that's it, the kind of structure of your muscles. <laughs> it's the insertion of the muscles, isn't it? You can see it with people's biceps sometimes when the biceps insert so high and to be fair, it looks pretty cool when you've got the peak, but the actual whole bicep it looks a lot smaller. Yeah, yeah. and that my calves fucking I'll insert halfway up my fucking shin. Uh, we, yeah, literally. So it's so they're not the uh, they're not the best. So that's yeah. why I wear my socks and wear um, Air Force ones. <laughs> yeah, you see it, see it with lats as well. Like people with high lat inserts and things like that too. So you, you see that all the time actually. So yeah, it's not really particularly uncommon. But like I suppose what we're saying there is like there might potentially be a way to bias. You know one head of the quad a little bit more and um, we can't we can't rule it out anyway put it that way but you definitely can't rule it out but is it worth doing yeah mm, is yeah. it worth doing because of the knock-on effect on the knee because again like we said it would it would mean moving the well the way that people try to do it it would mean moving uh the knee out of alignment with that leg extension machine and then just unnecessary force going through your knees um so yeah probably not going to be worth it but what about the other two degrees of freedom that we've got here? Because there is a, there is a rotational aspect to this as well. It is. I mean, in, in a certain position. So there's a rotation in the knee. It mainly occurs when it's flexed. So when, what we do is when we can check the rotation of someone's knee is me and Connor would have someone propped up on like a physio bed or on the floor, lying on the front, and we can see how much rotation is in that knee when they're lying flat with the knee bent. So that's where the, the rotation is going to occur the most. So have you got a good like explanation of this where I, I think it's just like if you if you extend your legs, right? If you if you imagine you're at the top of a leg extension and you move your feet right from side to side, you won't really feel any rotation round about that. You'll feel like it wants to, but you won't really feel any rotation like underneath at the bottom of your knee. But then if you like flex your legs, if you sit like just on a chair like normal and you move your feet, you can feel it kind of rotating, can't you? Mm. Yeah, I think that's a simple way to think about it. <laughs> that's you got you got to think when you extend that knee, you're in that like closed pat position, aren't you? So which limits like any rotation or anything. So that's yeah. So yeah, yeah. So so explain to the like the listeners what do you mean by that closed pat position? So that's like an end range. So obviously end ranges have like the close. It's called the closed pat position, and in that position where there's not much movement in the joint, but potentially could be, potentially given the direction of resistance on the joint at that certain point could be quite dangerous-ish, depending on what we're doing. I know like in the, when your shoulder's in a closed pat position, when you're really extended, then that could be cause a problem. So we, we might need to, it's a bit of in, there's not a lot of rotation. There's not a lot of movement. Another one would be the spine. So if you really extend your spine, so you stick your chest up, and then really lean back, and then you try rotating, there's not going to be much movement. But if you literally bend over, then you can you can rotate a lot more like I'm doing now. So yeah. that's a great explanation of it. And then to, I mean, like, you're, you're not going to get much of that, but then to kind of quote, like, so uh, what, what Paul Standell says, is it's like, if you're in a car crash, you would fucking get that. <laughs> and that's when, obviously, like, these horrific injuries happen, like, um, or part of what happens when you get these horrific injuries anyway. So, yeah, so that's kind of kind of way to think about it. But, yeah, we don't want to be experiencing them during exercise, that's for sure. But it's a similar thing, I suppose, because you're applying forces to your body, and that's kind of what would happen in a car crash. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, like, positions where we're going to be in a closed pack in that closed pack position. There's a lot of exercises when we do that. But, again, it comes down to that direction of resistance, doesn't it? And yeah if it's safe or not and how we're moving how fast we're moving all 
things like that. So again, that, that close pack position isn't a bad position. It just depends on a lot of other factors. So what kind of exercise would you see like kind of rotation around about the knee? Potentially doing a squat, really. Yeah, I'm going to say at the bottom of a squat because you need, you're in a flex position and sometimes you see people's, even though you're looking at the ankle, you can see people's feet like turn out and then turn in as they're yeah. squatting down and coming back up again, don't you? So that's, that is, even though it's like your subtalar joint that, but you, that it is a rotation at the knee slightly. Yeah, for sure. Sure. As I say, like when I was giving my example, I was moving my feet to create that rotation at the knee almost, if that makes sense. So like it does have a knock on effect up there for sure. But yeah, um, yeah um, I had something else in mind there and I totally forgot to be honest. So, but anyway, can't be that, can't be that important. Um, But yeah, what I was going to say actually is like, what do you think we could do to kind of limit that then? So like if someone is doing a squat and they're feeling like they're almost getting that, like, like you say, feet are kind of moving in and out, they're getting that kind of rotation at their knee. I mean, how do you think they can, help stop that i'd say is that this this the setup and then the, how you distribute your weight um i'm literally just i say where you're pressing with your feet potentially because if you're pressing with the, the arch or anywhere towards like the center of your foot then you're going to start coming in slightly out here with your knees and that's might cause a bit more rotation even though it's like a valgus um and then i'll literally just say the, the width in your stance because i can see people when it happens the most that rotation sort of thing is they might be like really narrow and to get wider they got when they get going down the feet are going out so they might be a bit too narrow with the feet potentially that might be a reason it all they might be too wide so you never know do you think i mean what i'm thinking off the top of my head here i, I can't confirm this like but i'm, I'm thinking like potentially it could just be weakness as well like is, is it just going to be you know maybe the muscles that are supporting the knee, hamstrings, calves, things like that, a potential weakness around about them as well. You definitely can't rule it out. It could be yeah. anything like that. I mean, but- hamstrings in particular, because like you're going to have those insertations either side of the knee. So, you know, they're going to play a role in that rotation. And they're, they're going to call contracts, aren't they? Help with the, the ATT. So, your anterior tibia translation, big fancy nerdy name. Um, all that means is literally your knee coming over your, um, your tibia coming over your knee or your knee, your actual kneecap coming over your tibia so that helps pulls it back and it's not going to come out of place so that's what so your acl and your hamstrings that's their role to prevent att it's called yeah for sure let's move on to the next one because you kind of touched on it there already this kind of knee valgus um, and and varus and so for anyone that doesn't know what that is it's like i think it's called knock knee commonly like valgus does anyway Um, and then varus would be the kind of opposite so like knock knee or valgus is like when your knees are kind of like falling inwards almost um you know and then Obviously, varus is opposite that when your knees are kind of bowing outwards. But we see valgus a lot again during something like a squat or something like that. When you know someone's potentially maybe going quite heavy and things are starting to fail, you can see like those knees kind of falling inwards, can't you? That's it. I mean, that's that that valgus. That's where the main issues are going to happen in terms of like ACL or anything around that. Because every time I see someone like with a valgus issue, it's going to put unnecessary forces onto the knee. But every time I've seen someone with um, a various issue the most of the time they're fine they've not got any issues with the knees so yeah there's about to be something some sort of knock-on effect there though surely but 
Yeah, I don't know on that one. But then you never hear anyone talk about Varus. It's always Valgus. He doesn't cause that many problems. Yeah. I can't say I've experienced it a lot, to be honest. I can't say I've seen it in a lot of clients or things like that. Um, But I've definitely, obviously, seen a lot of Valgus. And some, like, particularly women, are naturally setting a bit of Valgus anyway. Because of the Q angle, because um, you got to think with the with women, they've got wider hips, just like childbearing and whatnot. So their Q angle is going to be a, a lot uh, bigger than the males, like mainly. So that's what's going to cause the value. You don't know what a Q angle is? Just Google it. It's probably the easiest way. Yeah. So the Q angle is literally just the the angle with from your femur and your knee. Um, yeah, Google it and you can see pictures, and it looks gives you like how big the angle is compared to like males and females a lot of this stuff is easier to see so if it's the first time you're hearing about it like it might sound a little bit confusing and we actually did we we did do a webinar on this so if anyone is really interested and would like to watch the webinar back again just hit me or james a dm and we'll we'll send it over to you and you can uh you can have a little watch of that um but yeah sorry james you're away to talk there no, no, it's cool. I mean, I was saying like jump onto Google, um, search Q angle, and then it'll give you a nice little um, illustration or something. Yeah, uh, fuck you guys. You're not getting our webinar. Just jump on Google. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I mean, if you want to a quick look, but then if you wanted to dive deeper into it and get a bit more of an understanding, then our uh, free webinar, then that'd be cool. So literally, just drop me a kind of message, like I said. Then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the thing is as well to say like we're still learning about this shit. Like you know, we're just sharing what we've kind of seen and what we've experienced and what we've learned but you know there's always there's always more isn't there? there's other, always another level isn't there yeah we're always trying to figure shit out there's, we don't stop learning uh there's always more we always we don't get everything right um and everyone's the same but you need to just keep learning keep progressing and then I, that stuff i would go as far as saying i will be getting some things wrong that i will be looking back on in years and i'll be like what a fucking idiot it's gonna happen though literally anything we'll, we're bound to get something wrong but as long as we go back and then learn from that and then progress from there then that's it yeah, it's, i think it's, you've got to be open to being wrong like exactly I, you need to but you can't be closed off to this stuff and no no it's right this day he says it in this textbook so it must be right that's another thing textbooks but i won't get onto that, <laughs> that yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Um, textbooks aren't always right by the way so let me just put that one there yeah that's for sure um but anyway so just to sum up three degrees of freedom the uh, knee can move in these three different kind of ways. Um, well, there's more than three different ways there, but anyway, like they, they call them three degrees of freedom. Um, but just because we have them doesn't mean we kind of want to use them all the time. So that's just considerations for that. Um, and you know, again, like I'm picturing someone doing a squat with like a, a shitload of, of valgus knees falling in, like you know, just because we've got those three degrees of freedom doesn't mean we want to want to use them all the time. I think um, the best way to look at when um not even say gym related. I mean, like when Michael Owen did his ACL in when he was playing the World Cup, I don't know about it's just I just keep remembering the picture of it when he literally just changed direction. There was no one near him, he literally just changed direction of the ball and his ACL went, and that was because the actual knee abduction angle, and that, that's pretty much the valgus that causes it and the force is going into that knee. Yeah, because so, your ACL has got a like rotational kind of aspect to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that there's that and then it just couldn't tolerate the forces that was going through his knee obviously I think he's had like ACL problems before knee issues before and that's just um, quite common one ACL as well yeah especially anything running jumping changing direction it's just yeah all the time in sport yeah yeah it's familiar sure now we've obviously got a shitload of muscles around about the knee as well don't we we do the obvious one being the obvious one's being the quads (laughs) um 
the quads obviously train through things like leg extensions, hack squats, you know, pendulum squats, normal squats. You know, there's there's various different ways to to, to train the quads. I don't know if we want to get quite into all that stuff right enough. That's it. We can do it. We've got things like the rec fem, which could be slightly different. Yeah, training considerations would be slightly different because I know during a squat, for example, um, the rec fem doesn't get a lot of activity, does it? Not too much because it, it does it. It lengthens and shortens in the same like motion, doesn't it? With the hip, with the position of the hip and the position with the knee. So is as we're as we're lengthening the, the knee, then we're shortening at the hip, aren't we? So it's what's that word called? What is it? What is it? Well, there is a word for it. Yeah. It, um, what's it called? But, um, anyway, um, as you're saying though, like the rec fem, just for anyone that doesn't know, because again, you know, I'm thinking of myself a few years back, I wouldn't have fucking know what a rec fem is. Um, it's like when you see like a shredded quad, it's that one that's kind of popping up the middle. So it crosses the knee joint and the hip joint. The rest of the quads don't cross the hip joint, but the rec fem does. And the rep, uh, rec fem can obviously play a role in hip flexion too. That's James it. is still thinking of that word. Yeah, I'm trying to think of it. I mean, Tom said it in one of his videos like the other month when I was watching it. And then, um, yeah, it's not gone in, obviously. James has lost brain function when he almost died last last week. Oh, yeah, my <laughs> brain cells have died. Have died. Yeah, if, um, I'm lucky to actually be breathing. You can actually like even tell compared to like last week's web, uh, not webinar, but last week's um, podcast, you can tell you sound a bit more alive this week. Oh, I feel absolutely amazing. I mean, food's going down. Um, I'm touching nearly 4,000 calories. I got a photo shoot at the weekend. So, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm 83 kg now. Yeah, so, yeah, so you um, jump back up, that's like five kilos. Yeah, well, I was 74, and now I'm... Like, oh, 74? Yeah, oh, you so, were lighter than me then. In, uh, I know, literally, so, like, 9 kg in about, I don't know, just over a week, so I'm happy with that. Um, yeah. Holding some good conditions still, um, just because I've got this photo shoot, um, just filling out and putting that weight back on, because i got to 88, so if I get yeah. to around about, like, 85, 86 soon, then... I'll be happy and then I can just focus on what I'm going to do from there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that weight is obviously not going to be like body fat. It's like you've obviously lost a shitload of water weight and things like that. Uh, it, won't, it, won't be, it won't be body fat. Obviously, I've lost some muscle um, and I have lost body fat, and but it'd be like food volume and water and glycogen in the muscle and actual like I might put a bit of muscle back on again because once you lose that, mu- once you've got that muscle, it's easy to get it back. But growing new tissue is harder. Yeah. I don't know. Tell me about it. <laughs> if you do get ill like myself um, and you're worried about like when you lose because I did lose a lot of muscle um, you, you can get it back quite easy I mean like give it a month or two and I'll get that muscle back no problem because once you've gained that muscle you've got a thing called myonuclei and when you, once you've gained those myonuclei they're always going to be there but obviously it's just the size of the muscle that um, goes but it comes back to these the hardest bit is actually gaining new tissue yeah definitely so Anyway, back to what we were talking about. Um, we're we're on quads. Um, we've obviously got the hamstrings on the back of the leg. Everyone kind of knows where your hamstrings are at. But uh, yeah, there's three hamstring muscles in there. Yeah, two of them sound like dinosaurs. <laughs> that's, that's the best way I remember them. <laughs> Semitendinosus and semimembranosus. They sound scary. That's the one. And then you got your biceps femoris. Yeah, bicep femoris. And then it's obviously got his wee short head as well. It's got the long head and the short head. But um, all of these muscles, are they're going to cross the hip. And they're going to cross the knee joint as well. And they're kind of, I don't know what, I don't know if I want to say wrap around, but they come down either side of the knee joint and attach onto that uh, that tibia, which is like your lower leg bone, the big bone in your lower leg. Well, tibia and fibia, sorry. No, you're right. They've got that rotational aspect, though, haven't 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, they can pull on like the Tebe or the, the February, and you know they're going to be able to, I suppose, create that rotation. Yeah, that's it. So, um, again, going back to what we're saying about that rotation, like I reckon having them strong, and you know that core contraction sort of thing is going to help reduce that, um, reduce the kind of rotation if someone's yeah. experiencing that when they don't yeah. want it, obviously. That, that that's it. I mean, that's where the ATT thing comes in, where the um they help the ACL prevent that. So help the uh, help prevent the anterior tibia translation. Yeah. And then you've got things round about the knee joint, like so keeping it with the knee joint. Obviously, like you've you've got adductors round about there, but only one of the adductor muscles actually attach round about the knee, and that's the gracilis. Mm. Which is them. it's quite a like it's quite a long thin muscle, really, isn't it? But like it has also kind of it has got like some good leverage at the hip joint anyway. A massive moment arm to the hip, hasn't it? In terms yeah. of rotation, loads, fucking yeah. loads. But then it's long and thin and like you wonder how strong that is. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, Gracilis is probably one a lot of you guys haven't heard of. So again, just one of the adductor group, but just this one happens to insert right about the knee. So we, we've kind of mentioned that today just because it's there. But then the kind of actions, I mean, it's, it's, it's meant to play a role in knee flexion and knee internal rotation. How much of a role in that? I'd have to get a skeleton out and see what the moment arms are like. But, but yeah, I'm I'm not convinced it would be doing a hell of a lot there, but it's obviously played some sort of role. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just gonna help the um the quads, isn't it, in terms of like the the um I'm sorry, the, the flexion sort of thing, the hamstrings. Yeah. Uh, and moving on from that, obviously, like another long thin muscle, sartorius, which is um yeah, as I say, another long thin one. And you've seen this on people that are pretty lean. Um, you know, it's like that one that kind of like wraps around like I don't know how, how would you explain it, James? It kind of wraps around the leg a little bit. It's not a quad, but you can kind of see it coming up and over the leg. Yeah, it's the, the cup pretty much, isn't it? I'd say yeah. I'd say it's something it's it's, it's like that, yeah. It's just a really long, thin muscle. But, um, it's, it's the longest muscle in the body, isn't it? Yeah, you just beat me to it then. But yeah, yeah, it's the longest muscle in the body. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, again, like the force production of this muscle, because of how long and thin it is, you can argue like, how much work it actually does. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think it would be... I don't think it's a particularly... I don't think it particularly does a lot, does it? Like, I don't think it's it... Really gonna aid, it's just going to aid things in your... You, um, because it does like hip abduction, so it'll aid things like glute med and all that sort of things. So it's just going to help. I mean, muscles all work together. They don't. They don't work individually. I think that's a big take home from a lot of this stuff as well. You got to look at like who's on the team, who's on the team for external rotation, who's on the team for hip flexion, all that sort of stuff. So who's on that side of the joint doing that role and who's doing the job? Yeah, you could. You could. Inc- Include the glute max and, and muscles that kind of cross the knee because the glute max obviously has a uh, insertion into the um I forget what's called now uh what you call it uh, it band tfl it band that's it yeah i couldn't remember the fucking name of that there it attaches into the it band which then obviously comes down and crosses the knee so yeah. i mean technically um i wouldn't say the glute really does it really have a play any role in the knee does it have any action on the knee i wouldn't really Say much, I suppose. I'm trying to think when you like externally rotate your your thigh, you could argue something's going on in the knee. Mm. Not really. <laughs> yeah, skeleton, what you do is literally you can just the best way to find out these things is like Connor. He's got a skeleton. Um, get some balloons, 
attach them on shit and see what happens. It's hard with IT band though. I tried to like create an IT band one day on it, yeah. and that was fucking hard to try and do that. Uh, to be fair, when Tom was doing his videos, he tried creating a, like an IT band, and it just didn't. It just didn't work properly. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Tough work. Um, but going on to something that is definitely going to play a role in that uh, knee joint is the gastroc, which is one of the calf muscles, um, obviously crossing the knee joint at the back. And it's going to play a huge role um, in, in kind of stabilizing the knee, isn't it? Any, anything that crosses the joint is going to play a role in, in, in stabilization, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you can even like the position of how like dorsiflexed or plantar flexed it is. Um, and how much compression that's going to cause around the knee because it, that, that calf and the gastroc is going to really pull the um, the femur and the tibia into each other, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, depending on what position it's in, how it's going to do that. But like, again, I suppose the reason we're, we're kind of going over these things is because like, you know, if any of these muscles are weak around about your knee, obviously that's a, a potential kind of weak blank and if you're having issues they're definitely things i would look at um so yeah i mean i, I suppose we've probably covered the main ones and we covered uh, I, I mentioned the gracilis it's fucking not that main in terms of anatomy and stuff like that i think we've like nailed it with that um again hard to show on a podcast to be fair as you yeah, know we're no, just talking about stuff that's it and then like training considerations like we said, um, the leg extension setups, we've already run through that. And then we can also run through like the limb length thing when we're squatting because that's going to have an impact on our knees. Yeah, I mean, not just squatting. I suppose anything you get into your limb length is going to affect, you know, what's happening with that. Well, in terms of like leg movements. Um, yeah. But yeah, squatting in particular, squatting is the easy one to look at. So we've all seen those people that, you know, fold over when they squat, you know, end up almost doing like a good morning sort of thing. And we've all seen those people that have a squat that looks like perfect. They like sit like totally upright and things like that. And that's going to be down to your proportions, isn't it? Your, your kind of segmental proportions and the, the length of like your lower leg compared to your upper leg compared to your torso. And yeah, how, how everything's distributed from there. So like I always use the example, I've got a post on my Instagram. If you scroll way back, it's like a picture of me and then picture of uh, my missus. And it's like, you know, she squats very differently to me. She's got like a, a next to no, like kind of, um, not next to no, but like very little demand on the quads and um, because she, she's quite long through her upper leg, through her femur. And, you know, her squat is a very hip dominant one. She's one of those people that like kind of like lean forward as they're squatting. Whereas I'm a bit more upright and I've got a bit more of a balanced squat. So like, I mean, yeah, totally changes things, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can see that like on that post, your tibia, or your um, it's, it's a lot longer than your the girl, uh, your, your wife's. So yeah. it's probably that. And that's why, <laughs> yeah, that's that's why um, like her femur looks a lot longer than yours. Yeah, her femur femurs are pretty long as well, um, yeah. which then means basically means that she has to um, you know, she needs to kind of fall forward a little bit, or she's going to feel like she is going to fall over. She needs to kind of um, flex at the hip even more, or yeah. or she's going to feel like she's going to fall over. By doing that, it's maintaining that centre of mass over your base of support. And basically, the base of support is just the, the centre of your foot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, like, I've had I've had a couple of clients in the past, um, one in particular that sticks out in my mind, who she did, like, again, quite, quite short through, like, you know, her lower leg and then quite long through her upper leg, which, again, like, might sound as if they're, like, almost some sort of freak, but it's just, like, proportional. It's, it's in in relation to, you know, the rest of your, your parts almost. Um, and when she tried to squat, like, she couldn't even get anywhere near parallel. She felt like she was going to fall over. And she was like, I don't understand why my friends could squat, but, you know, I can't squat. And I'm like, look, it's just 
the the way your belt sort of thing. Um, yeah, and, position of the hips and if the hips are rounding or maybe they needed to go a little bit wider with the stands. But yeah, definitely. I know what you mean. Yeah. So you touched on something nice there, like going wider with your stands. So what's that going to do to her squat? So we get, I say like your girlfriend, your wife's really there, is she probably, if she went a little bit wider with her stance, it's going to sort of lengthen the the tibia, isn't it? It's, it's, obviously, it's not going to actually lengthen it, lengthen it, but it potentially will do, and that's going to make us stand a little bit more upright. It would shorten shorten your femur, so to speak. Yeah, shorten, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like the, the distance, I suppose, from the front of your knee to your hip actually reduces because it's at an angle. I don't yeah. know if that's easy to explain over this, but again, like, yeah, it's like they call it full shortening, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, by having that wider stance, like, try it. If you're someone that, like, does an arrow stance and it feels awkward to you, try taking a wider stance and doing a squat. And, like, you might feel like you're a little bit more upright. I know I certainly do if I take a wider stance. That's it. And then another one is using blocks, like blocking with the uh, with the feet. So, with them it. two things that you could use. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you mean, like, heel elevation or you mean actually, like, Elevating the foot in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I was thinking elevating the foot would not be the safest thing ever. No, I'm going to say so. Heel elevation, uh, yeah. you've got the range in your ankles and not, and have a play around with that. Yeah, for sure. Like, again, most people, when they put heel, like, elevate, like, use heel elevation or they use, like, a squat shoe, you'll find you're a little bit more upright. The other thing is a uh, safety bar as well. Like, so that was like, it brings me nicely onto that. Like, I used to think safety bar was a quad dominant exercise or more quad dominant than a normal bar until I tried it and looked at it. Not, I know. Try it, look at it, break it down. It's the same like a, a front squat saying, oh, a front squat's quad dominant. Man, mate, no, there's not much difference. Uh, depending on who's doing it, but there's not yeah. much difference. It, it depends. Yeah, it totally depends on who's doing it. But I know when I, I took on a safety bar and I thought, you know, more quad dominant safety bar, I'm doing safety bar to hit my quads. And then I broke it down and I was like, this is exactly the same as if I squatted with a normal barbell. That's it. I mean, it's just like the, the fitness world that we're living thinking, right, safety bar squat, quads. Um, yeah. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean like you should go away and say like, oh, safety bar isn't going to make it more quad dominant. It might for some people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And again, I suppose it depends on your safety bar because you get some that have the handles that are angled the same way as the weights. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, That's and some that have got they're kind of angled down nicely like you can kind of hold them and then the weight are in the right place but like sometimes you've you've kind of got to pull on those handles to keep the weights up if that makes sense that's it and you can look where the weight is like angled at as well because i don't know if you've seen those kabuki bars where you can change that where it's actually loaded all right yeah i think i have actually yeah yeah they're pretty cool yeah i don't know if it's cool or not <laughs> you looked at them in rts uh, back in february and they do do something, definitely do something, they change things slightly. So a big thing like we're, we're training round right about the knees is knees over toes. Yeah, fucking hell, another myth. <laughs> well, what have you got to say in that, James? Is it dangerous for your knees to go over your toes? It's not dangerous for your knees to go over your toes. Let your knee go over your toe because when we're looking at things like a split squat, our knees so far forward over our, our back so on our, when we're in a split squat, our back leg, the knees so far forward over the toe, which doesn't. When then you start looking at the front leg and thinking, what, what the fuck's going on here? How can you say that your knee shouldn't go over your toe when you look at the back leg where there's a shitload of force going through it as well? Sometimes where it could be even more, you put, could be exposing that back leg to even more force in your front leg, and your knees over your toe. So 
I think a lot of people just ignore the fact that there's weight going through your back leg in a split squat. Yeah, and everyone people, gets out the back leg. Everyone. Yeah. Obviously, like if you if you do like a Bulgarian split squat, like so we're talking about just doing a split squat on the floor. If you do a Bulgarian split squat, you're definitely taking load off that back leg. But mm. and there's still going to be some though. There's still always going to be some. But yeah, it depends. Again, like split squats are so versatile. You can shift your focus, can't you? That's it. It depends how you're doing, who the person is doing them, um, how much weight is on the front leg, how much weight is on the back leg, where your centre of mass is. Yeah, but doing them just standing on the floor, like you say, you know, if you're just doing a split squat, both feet on the floor, you could potentially actually have more force going through that back knee than you could going through that front knee. And just because the front knee's uh, going over your toes doesn't necessarily mean that it's being exposed to more force. That's it. And that, that rec femur, that back leg is really going to be loaded. It's going to be stretched out to fuck as well. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, sometimes getting into these lengthened positions, if it, it might feel tight for you for some reason. Um, and, you know, sometimes there's reasons that it feels tight there. Sometimes, you know, your body doesn't want to go there for a reason. Could be weak, could be, you know, potentially injured, things like that. So, yeah, yeah other things to think about. So, yeah, there's been a, a few considerations there. Um, so, well, we kind of just wrap that up with a few different considerations, just kind of finalise, you know, Things to consider when training around about the knees. I know we've talked a lot about them, but just kind of to, to sum things up. Um, and I think I would start by just saying just simply warming up, actually. Something we've not mentioned. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even like, it doesn't mean get there for an hour, start doing loads of mad shit with bands. It just means do what you're going to be doing um, and build up nice and slowly. Make sure you're warming up on the exercise nice and slowly. Say if you're going to do a hack squat, don't just do like one or two warm-up sets. I mean, start off from the bottom from doing nothing and then gradually just ease up to that working set. So you could be doing like five or six warm-up sets just to get to that. So you want to be doing, and you want to make sure that you're warming up properly and for the right things that you're going to be doing because you see all these big, long warm-ups that are like 30, 40 minutes long that are taking a big chunk out of the workout and they're just not worth doing. I think if you're spending... 30, 40 minutes doing a warm-up, you need to look at your fucking exercise selection. You know, if you're in that much pain or that much, like, exercise selection or maybe even lifestyle, to be honest, but if you're in that much pain or that, you know, tight feeling or whatever or something's not right and you're having to spend that long warming up, it's probably something to do with either your lifestyle or your, um, you know, your exercise selection. There's something not right there. Definitely. And then they go around with the massage guns, the foam rollers, they do all that before training and that's just not going to get anywhere. If anything, it's going to reduce the force output in the muscle, isn't it? So we're going to potentially do less and maybe there's more for the more impact on the joint. So yeah, it's hard uh, debunking the myths about stretching up. People love stretching. They do. People like stretching just because of the feel. It's analgesic, meaning that it's going to like numb the pain or sort of get a really nice feeling, but it's only for a short amount of time. And it doesn't last long. It's not long term and it's not going to do anything. It's just really short. Um, We're almost going off on a whole other subject here, but like just because something's tight doesn't mean that it needs stretched. Exactly. Uh, potentially it'd be even worse if you do stretch it, say, because that's it's limiting. It's tight for a reason. So it's limiting you getting into a range. So if you're trying to stretch that, it might fuck it up even more. Yeah. I mean, tightness is just a nervous system sensation. So like to try and stretch because you've got some sensation for your nervous system. You know, that tissue could potentially already be on, on, on length. And then you try to stretch it more. That's not really going to be the answer, is it? That's it. 
I'm thinking I'm thinking office worker sitting there kind of internally rotated, slightly hunched in their upper back, and like they might actually have a tight upper back, but them tissues are actually going to be a length, aren't they? So you wouldn't try and stretch them. Exactly. Yeah. So moving on from that, the warm-up stuff, reducing the tempo, we talked about that. That's definitely got to be a big thing for considerations around the knee joints. That's it, focusing on that. And then we've got things like reverse banding. If you have a lot of knee pain, then, or maybe if you want to, if you're struggling owning the rep, if you're struggling doing the rep, if you're struggling controlling the load, then reverse banding, that's going to help you decelerate that load into the bottom where some issues can occur. Yeah, something you done, um, which was pretty cool for, um, you know, reducing forces at the knee was when you had that hack squat um, at Metcon, you were using a heel wedge, but you were using it to elevate your toes, weren't you? Yeah, just because the friction, because the 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 actual hack squat, it's like a thirty degree um, carriage, but the the actual plate is forty five degrees still, so it's not changed. Meaning like it, this plate should have gone back with the carriage slightly and then had that angle on it. But with it being 45 degrees, there's a shitload of friction coming back at you. Meaning that when we're pressing, our feet want to move forward. And then that pad, because it's moving with rubber, we're not, our feet aren't moving, but that's going to push back at us. And it's meaning our, gonna, our knees are going to be working a little bit more and our quads are going to be working a little bit more. But if you've got any issues, then potentially you might not want that. So that's why we use that wedge just to elevate the toes and there's not as much friction on the pad. Yeah. Um, I mean, the real life example of this is like when you're walking downhill, isn't it? Your quads, you feel your quads when you're walking downhill, don't you? Right. You're walking downhill, walking down the stairs, your quads are absolutely on fire. Um, your knees might be as well. So um, when, whenever you're like walking downhill, just make sure you take a wedge with you. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> it. You're like wearing two elevated shoes. There could be something in that. I don't think they exist. We should make them. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's the next niche. Sell them, <laughs> and then obviously go back to um, go back to like kind of the squat sort of thing, like playing around with your stance is another consideration you could use. That's it, and then the intention, like I said, with the, the friction sort of thing, you can think where you're pushing your feet. So maybe if you don't want to use your quads as much, you might try pulling back on your heels. But if you wanted to use your quads even more, um, if you've not got any issues, then you think about pushing them forward and think about when you're doing a squat, thinking about leg extension and pushing your feet up. Obviously, you, you're not going to move because the friction off the pad's going to like keep you there. Um, so yeah, literally think about pushing your toes forward and thinking leg extension, and you're going to use a lot more quads. And the um, the good way to explain friction is like if anyone's ever done a wall set and they've like pushed their toes into the ground then you know about fucking friction. You felt your quads when you've done that. <laughs> you let go, I mean, literally. So get onto that wall, get into those 90-degree angles with your hips and your knees, and then push your feet forward as hard as you can. Yeah, um, and then you'll know all about friction. <laughs> that's it. Just make sure you're wearing, like, shoes and not socks on laminate flooring, or else you're going to be fucking flying because there's no friction. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, the surfaces definitely matter. Um, there's something I was going to add to that, and I forget what it was now. Yeah, totally lost it. Doesn't matter anyway. Um, but yeah, um, definitely some good points there. And then finally, I suppose those muscles we talked about, um, just make sure they're strong. The ones that cross that knee joint, make sure they're strong. Now, don't go and try and individually train your gracilis, but you know, obviously, uh, those muscles we want to make sure that make sure that they're pretty strong. The ones that are crossing, and they're going to like you know, obviously stabilize that knee joint. We want to make sure that they've got strength. Don't you have a gracilis day? 
Uh, well, I do, yeah, but I didn't think everyone had to do that. <laughs> but yeah, um, I pop with TSD. Yeah, I certainly do that anyway. That's that's for sure. Um, so yeah, hopefully you guys have got some real kind of take homes from that, and hopefully that gives you some stuff to consider there. I know there wasn't a lot of answers there. There was just a lot of speculation and <laughs> it's gonna give you like some things to take away and think of, aren't you? So yeah, food for thought sort of things there, and a bit more serious than usual as well, wasn't it? It is, I know. It was less bullshit, wasn't it? Even though, yeah, yeah it was less um, rabbit. No, no, I don't know. Probably just as much bullshit as usual. Yeah, <laughs> but um, we'll end up like um, we'll end up making one in the future. Like we were wrong about the knees. That's it. We'll do a post. Yeah, I was wrong about this. Do those Luke Tuller who does those? That's. Uh, I was wrong about training insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all wrong sometimes. But um, yeah. I think the plan, we, we were planning hopefully getting a couple of guests. We have got a couple of guests lined up. We just need to pull our fingers out and get them on, to be honest. The weeks seem to fly by, don't they? Yeah, it's going fast. Yeah, so we will, we're working on getting a couple of guests coming on. I mean, if you guys have any suggestions for stuff you'd like us to talk about on the next episode of the podcast or, you know, any guests you'd like us to try and get on, feel free to give us a shout. Feel free to give us a little message. Um, but, yeah, as usual, you know, we, we thank you guys for listening. We, we we appreciate your continued support. The podcast seems to keep growing and growing. So, yeah, long may it continue. And please, guys, if you can leave us a review on either Spotify, iTunes, or, you know, even share this to your Instagram story. That would be much appreciated. It would, uh, yeah, it would help us out a lot. That would be great. Anyway, guys, let's wrap that one up. So thank you for listening and we will catch you next time.